Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Adam White and Jeremy Smith. There's not, well, the league and season is slowly coming to a close with around about seven, well, about six to seven week games left. So it's going to be interesting as they keep fighting between the bottom, but although the top spot may be over by this weekend, but let's first look ahead, well, before we look ahead at the weekend coming up, here's the latest headlines. Neem managed to go into the top 10. Um, over the midweek as they lifted themselves above Ren with a 3-1 victory. Renault Ripar's header opened the scoring, but Adrian Unu forced an own goal from Irve Liboy to equal out the scorelines at halftime. Before um, two strikes from Denis Boenga and Antonin Bobachan saw Nîm Olympique run away with it in the second half, who, with the away side, also seeing Benjamin Andre sent off. And that's all for now. So for all the latest in the world of French football, do on head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We'll start tonight with that game before we look ahead to what is a really interesting league our weekend. And uh, Adam, it, it was an interesting one, really. Nîmes have been in pretty good form as of late, so it's not the greatest surprise. But at the same time, Will it be a frustrating one for Ren fans that they couldn't give themselves a, a, a bit of a better showing in there, given that if they did win this game, they would be right in the mix for the uh, Europa League place? Perhaps, yeah. I definitely think this was a, this was an opportunity missed for Ren to some extent. You know, win this game, forty-five points, put some level with Montpellier, a couple of points by Nice and Saint Etienne, and and um, and, and Ron, sorry, and three points by Marseille. They're right in that Europa League fight. But a trip to to Nîmes this season has proved difficult for a number of sides. And well, you'd argue pretty much every team has, has had a game when they've gone to Nîmes. You know, they beat Marseille in the season. They were they gave PSG a really good game in that four two four two game at relatively early in the year. And and it's it's uh, it's when it, especially when it's um, when it's relatively full and and Nîmes are a, a side that play on the, on the sort of on the front foot. It's a very difficult place to go. So being you know losing at Nîmes this season is by no means a disgrace. So. Although they would have would have been looking at the table and thinking we could get right back into the Europa League race here, um, um, and and hoping for, for you know expecting to to get something out of the game, um, it's it's by no means a shock that Neem won given how well played they well well they have played this season. And Neem are in that Europa League fight too now. You know if you look at the table, Renault have dropped into the bottom half on forty two, and and, and Neem have gone above them on forty three points, and um, that they all got they've got an outside chance of, of sneaking in. Um, into a Europa League spot, you know, if they're, if you're a Neem player, you're, you're fancy yourselves between now and the end of the season, and and you know why not? It's, it's very condensed, and the way Marseille played against Bordeaux on uh, on on Friday night, they're definitely not sort of out of reach by any means. So um, a disappointment for Ren, but they're still in it. They're still in it, and um, not surprising that Neem managed to come up with a with a big win because they're a really good team. They're that given their resources and, and the players at their disposal and, and the fact they came up, they're a very, very good team. So no disgrace, but um, it makes it more interesting. That, that top half is even more condensed than it was before. So fair play to Neem. Yeah, and it's been an excellent season for them. They've been really entertaining going forward. They've had some great results and some great games. And to be in the top half of the table, guaranteed safety now with the points total that they have at well over 40 points is a terrific result for them, more than they could have hoped for really. And, 
while they are in that European fight, <laughs> fixture lists of Marseille, Bordeaux, Lille, Ras, Monaco, Lyon. They've uh, got one game against Gangon, but that <laughs> maybe not too favourable on them chasing that side unless some results go their way. But but as for Ren, um, Jez, it, it is a little bit of a worry because they they have a decent end to the season. We've mentioned in the in the past that they they have some winnable games in there, but a lot of games against sides in and around them. You know, Nice. They've got Dijon. They've got um, uh, sorry, they've got. Um, Ras at, at some point they've got Lille. Um, they've still got a game against Strasbourg away from home as well. Are they maybe putting too many eggs in the Coupe de France basket, or do you think that maybe missing out on Europe this season and then using the summer to to recollect under Stefan and, and work on what he's already done so far would be a better option for them? I think that they're definitely on an on an upward trajectory. So whatever happens this season, they've got to sort of go into the summer and into next season sort of positive that that they're going to um, sort of progress from this year, whatever happens. And um, at times they've looked like a European side this year. Obviously in Europe they've performed as well, but I mean, even in, in, in Liga terms, sometimes they've performed well, sometimes they really haven't. And it was interesting that um, the story came out that, that at one point during the match, Ben Arthur said to, said to one of his new opponents, we're, we're rubbish today, aren't we? Um, which kind of, um, I mean, it's almost fitting that Ben Arthur of all people should say that because he sort of, in a way, epitomises Ren in the sense that you know, at the weekend he, he started and finished a, a, a brilliant goal for Ren and then was completely non-existent in the, in the midweek match. And I think that's just where Ren are at the moment. They're still they're a very, very talented team, still gradually finding their feet or you know working out how to play with each other. So. Sometimes it goes very well, sometimes not so well. Um, the team that Stefan uh, fielded at the weekend, uh, in midweek, clearly suggested that he's, he's sort of looking after a couple of players with a view to the Coupe de France final, which makes sense. Um, they don't have a bad run in at all, so that I, it's kind of frustrating that he's doing that in the sense that um, I do think that the uh, Europa League spot through the league route is very much there to be had, but net, you know once they're in the final, it's a one-off match. They have given PSG a, a, a decent match or two this season, even if the, the final scoreline didn't suggest it. Um, you know anything can happen because they do have match winners in their team, so it's understandable that they're putting all their eggs in that basket. And I suppose you could say that the advantage, in a way, is that because the Coupe de France final isn't right at the end of the season there is even scope should they lose as, as, as you'd expect that they would but you know that they still could get a decent haul of points after that and then who knows with, with a few teams above them um, a lot of them do have a reputation for, for suddenly going on bad runs as well and um, i don't think that they'll qualify for the Europa league through the new group but it's certainly not an impossibility and um yeah i, I understand them going all out or really focusing on, on that one game against PSG. And if they were to miss out on Europe, it would be a pity for them. But yeah, I don't think it's the end of the world because I think they're, they're well-placed to really embark on a good, uh, good good league campaign next season. Yeah, it's, it's sort of a double-edged sword for them, isn't it? If they get into Europe, it maybe undoes some of the good work Stefan's done having to focus on two competitions, which obviously didn't affect them an enormous amount this season. But the way they maybe want to build it, it could 
could always affect them. And um, but, but be at the same time, it, it's always great and attractive for players to want to stay and want to join the club if you've got European football. So it, it will come as some sort of disappointment. There's not out of it by any means, like you say, Jez, but it, with so many teams ahead of them, it's going to take so many results going their way now, as well as the favourable run into sort of catch up and it starts this weekend when they play Nice as well with team above them but going into the games of the weekend there's some there's some ones really to watch and, and perfectly Adam one starts the earliest on Friday night as Dijon are hosting Amiens because they've come back to life um, last week with that victory they got over Lyon for, <laughs> saying it's unexpected is, is maybe not even quite half-arsing it really because uh, I don't think anyone saw that result coming but at the same time now this game against Samyon has as the the du- the double bluff that it not only would be a big three points if they can get it but could even be pulling Amien back into it and that's got to be a huge motivator for Dijon hasn't it yeah I think it does um I think it, it, it is a huge motivator for them um but given that uh, just just with with the last week's game, I, it was it was sort of interesting that they was it a, a good Dijon performance? I mean, yes, but was it Leon a, a Leon sort of imploding? And and although they'll be given a lot of confidence from that game last week, and the fact that you know they're they're within I suppose within touching distance this weekend if they do win this game, it would be four points to to Amiens. You know, there's there's daylight there, I guess. You know, at the end of the tunnel to some extent. Um, but I think that that last last week may have been after after the week Leon had. You know, Lequipe's front page was a week in hell, described describing Leon's Leon's week with the with the um, the, the defeat to Ren in the in the in the cup semi final and the Genesio contract situation, which was just bizarre and a, just a, a brilliant story because it's just completely crazy. But I think it might have been more uh, a Leon self implosion with the fans getting on the back than, than a Dijon performance. And given Dijon's form, I'm, I would be a little bit worried about um, about them going forward. I, I still don't think that they have, they have the, they have the, the wherewithal to, to, to kind of rescue themselves from this situation. I think Amion are going to be far too strong for them, although it's a very small difference in terms of personnel, but the, the you know, the addition of, of, of Canate and, and, and I know Godos will be injured, but players like Godos, you know, out for a long time over the winter, um, have made a huge difference. Canate was fantastic against Sinetian last week, two brilliant goals. Um, and I just think Amion are in a little bit of a false position. I, I think first 11, Felicia has, knows how to get results from, from that team. And, and they're a much stronger team than Dijon are. And, I think that, that even though this is this is theoretically a game that can drag Leon to uh, can drag Amion back into the into the fight, I, I think that the bottom three teams are much much worse than than Amion. And although they might, they, there's, there's a possibility they get saying at this game, being at home and and you know being a, a big one at the bottom of the table, I still think that um, that it might be a little bit uh, when it comes into the season. It might in terms of the bottom three it might be a little bit in vain and. Um, you know, with with injury worries as well. You know, you know, looking across the squad, especially midfield, they might have one or two injury concerns. So, um, I, I would still back Amion to get something from the game, which would which would kind of condemn the bottom three a little bit as they didn't get results as well from from to the, to being in that bottom three coming into the season. But you know, Dijon will fancy themselves to be in that relegation playoff spot, and I have a feeling whoever gets into that relegation playoff spot will probably win the playoff against the league team so there's a light at the end of the tunnel for, for all three of them and it'll be, it'll be tight down there and Dijon will probably get I think they'll get something from this game but I don't think it'll be enough to, to drag Amion back in 
It's an interesting one, though, this one as well, just because not just because for Dijon, it's going to be one they want to win for, to, to pull Amion back into it. But looking at their, their fixtures ahead as well, there's a lot of games where maybe they have to might maybe play a negative style, maybe think that a point might be a good one and, and bits like that. But in this one, with them only a point above the other two below them, knowing that they're playing the early game, they've got a little bit of momentum, they're at home against a side they can possibly, like we said before, pull them back. Is this a one where Kumbari can look at and say, if, if we go out there, try and play some football, try and be an attacking, try and be positive from the off. It, it could be a really exciting game, given that sometimes these games at the bottom can be be a little bit cagey. This feels in some way like it could be a little bit of a free hit. Yeah, I, I certainly can't see this one being being cagey. I think you only needed to look at Anya's game against Natete, which finished two all, but could easily have been something like four. Um, it really was end to end. Both both teams really going for it. Um, Amia are on a good run and. Um, yeah, although they're they're fourth from bottom, I I do think they're, they're they're safe. I mean, even even if Dijon were to win this, they'd, they'd still be four behind, and I still don't think Amiens will be dragged into it. So I think they're playing with quite a nice freedom at the moment. And Dijon, Dijon obviously are, are not in a good place, but um, I, I agree with that. And I think they they got a little lucky to to be playing Lyon at the time that they played them. Um, they're going to be a little lucky maybe next week to, to play uh, Rennes just before the before the cup final. It's a good time to play them too. Both of them, these two matches are at home, so um, it's kind of a free hit. But yeah, he should Kongawara should be going all out, kind of. So you know, keep the momentum that we've got from last week, maintain it into this week and the next and next week, and then that gives us a, a huge cushion. And as you said, the fact that it's the um, playing ahead of ahead of others and it really is a, is a big psychological edge I think um, I, I, I agree with Adam that um, I'm not absolutely sure that, that they've got enough about them this, this season to, to keep out of the bottom two um, but yeah get, get, a, get a, a positive result and by positive I, I mean I, I agree with Adam there as well I, I don't think the draw is enough I think that they, they need to win, you know, on paper, it's not the worst running at all. But at home to Amia, if you're going to survive as good as in form as Amia are at the moment, this is the kind of match that Dijon have to win for the points, but also for that psychological blow that they can they can um, sort of put put on Gagon and Kwan as well. Um, so there's definitely points to be had there, but I'm not sure they're going to get them. Yeah, and like we say, that if, I think both make a good point that a point's not really enough because the way that everyone keeps, one of the bottom sides keeps nicking a, a three-point somewhere, it, it keeps tossing and turning, and a point against Amion only puts them two points above everyone else. So if someone does get a win over the weekend, they're all of a sudden back in the drop zone, and it's, it's not been really worth their time with the, with the games running out. But very quickly on, on Amian, um Adam, and you've mentioned him already because uh, we all thought that Musa Kanate was excellent against uh, Santatiana and has been superb since he's come back from injury as well. In the summer, is he someone you expect to move on and, and maybe a, a bigger side in Liga or even uh, someone in mid-table in the Bundesliga or even the Premier League take a take a look at him because he he can be such a lethal striker and, and will really add to some of these teams that are struggling to score goals. 
Uh, sorry, my connection not out, Nathan. Um, what was the what was the question? So, so it was on uh, Musa Kanata. Do you believe that? Oh yeah. Uh, with the form he's been given, especially, is he someone that would be? It should be interesting teams chasing Europe in league and or even maybe a, a sort of mid-table Premier League side or or, or even a, a sort of European chasing Bundesliga side. Those sides that are struggling for goals, he could really add to, couldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really impressive what Musa Kanata has done in, in Liga and, and quite quietly as well. You know, last season, what, 13 league goals for a team that, that didn't score many and were quite sort of defensive and pragmatic. And, you know, it's not like he's sort of limiting himself to scoring against the teams around him, which would be very useful, of course. But he's got a brace against PSG uh, at a Stade de Lincoln last year. And I just think he leads the line fantastically and he, he offers him he offers so many things to this team. Um, uh, he's an outlet. He holds the ball up really well. He's not. He's not. He's not particularly slow. You know, he, he can take people on if he wants to. On his day, he's a very, very good finisher. And you know, maybe on, on his day, is a little bit harsh. He's, he's relatively consistent in that regard. Um, he's a player that I, I think is really, really, really important. In fact, crucial to Amion. We saw what they were like within what the sort of the 12, 15 games he was injured, and, and they slipped towards the relegation zone. They looked like they were going to be down there at Dijon and Corn and Gangon for quite a long time. And as soon as he come back, he's, he's everything's changed because he just he just makes them click. He's, he's just pivotal to the way they play. In terms of where he could go, yeah, I think absolutely. I think he's quite an ambitious player as well. You know, at Sion in in Switzerland, he had two very good seasons. I think it was two, and then for the sort of last season there, he sort of kicked up a fuss because he wanted to get he wanted the move. He wanted to move away, which he didn't get, and he felt like he'd been, you know, been you know held against his will a little bit like he wanted to move on and, and, and wasn't allowed to because the right deal didn't come through the club and eventually went to Amion and which is perhaps a little bit below where where he would have expected himself originally given that at the time Amion were like a promote basically a national team like I think at, at one stage there's sort of five players who were still who were with the club from the days of, of their national uh, uh, season which was two two years before you know they got that two promotions behind Strasbourg so you know that it was they're a small club and, and perhaps he wasn't expecting to go to a club of Amin's stature but he's been fantastic he, he's he's had a little cover a couple of attitude issues and he had a couple of attitude issues in Switzerland as well but seems to have sorted it out and it seems to have accepted some responsibility as a leader at Amion and I think he would be fantastic for for a mid-table or even upper mid-table even European uh Euro, yeah, league and team and I think you mentioned the Bundesliga there I think he'd fit a lot of Bundesliga teams really really well you know if, if say, Antrik Frankfurt, for example, who are doing, having a fantastic season, you know, Nika Kovac left last year and, and they've kicked on amazingly, having won the cup and finished eighth last year into, into the quarterfinals of the Europa League and, and fourth in the Bundesliga. If they were to lose Sebastian, Sebastian Elar or, or uh, Jovic, you know, he'd be a good, a good replacement for, for either of those. And I, I think, I think he's, I think he's a really underrated player. And despite his injuries, his goal tally is good this year. And I think he, he's honestly single-handedly keeping Amion in the division. Um, although they've got other good players as well, you know, I like Moncondoui and I think Rassi's been a good signing. Mendoza's good on his day. Um, Zungu's good when he's fit. Um, but and Prince Guano's a decent captain as well. Goodness is a good goalkeeper, but I think he's Kanata's the man that makes this team click. And and if he'd been there all season, if he'd been in the team for those for those sort of 12, 15 games and hadn't got an injury, they'd be mid-table comfortably, I think. So yeah, great player and underrated in, in this league and will do a job at, at a Europa League team or in, in a mid-table top five league anywhere in Europe, I think. Yeah, and it's an interesting time to get him, isn't it? He's just turned uh, 26, so he's got time on his side. I was actually surprised he was he was that young, at least anyway. So it's a, it's a credit to him. It's a great chance for him to to maybe try and advance his career. Although I don't think Amion fans will be particularly pleased to hear that. But let's get predictions. I think we've got a, an idea of where we're going on this one. But I'll start with yourself on this one, Jess. What do you think the score will be? 
Yes, what do you think the score will be? Sorry, I forgot to unmute <laughs> myself. Chatting away to myself. Um, I think it's going to be one of. Uh, I, if if I had to pick anyone to win, I'd, I'd lean towards Amya, but I think it'll be a decent match. But yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Dijon going to do enough to win it. Adam, yeah, one all for me too. I think. Yeah, I, I, it feels like a one all, doesn't it? I think that the the fact that um, Dijon will, will treat this as a free hit is is one thing, and then I, I don't really trust them to keep out an army on side that can be that can be really dangerous. Uh, on to our next game for this week, and it involves one of the other relegation sides in Colm as they are hosting Angers. And, and uh, Jez, it's an important time for, for Colm after that result against Monaco, which was somewhat fortuitous, we said it at the time, it, they, they felt like they needed to try and build on that. But they really failed to do that against Nîmes. They were, they were pretty much beaten throughout, really. They didn't pose an enormous amount of threat and reverted to type, which means that these Next four games especially are pretty much crucial to the season. So it starts with that game on Saturday. Afterwards, they go away to Nice, which, while they've been pretty good at times, they're also a team that will give you half a chance. And then their dramatic doublehead against Dijon and Gangon, which will certainly control their season. But they'll want to have some kind of control to their fate. And that starts with that game in Angers. And it feels like it's must win. Sorry, I've done it again. Um, <laughs> I, I guess it's they're in a in a very similar position to to Dijon right now. They got their lucky win against Monaco, and I, I, again, I do think it was lucky. I think Sandro was one of the he had one of the, the season best performances in goal in that match, and um, you know, the Monaco didn't take their chances. They had so many of them that. Um, I think can't have to consider themselves a bit fortunate to get a few points there. And then, um, as you said, sort of coming off the back of that, you'd hope that they would try to build some momentum for that, and they really didn't. It was a really comfortable win for me. Now at home to Angers, just as, as Dijon at home to, to Amiens, have a similar kind of record as well. We know that Angers always, they don't seem to win much, but they're always hard to beat. They've drawn, I think, their last five. Um, they're in a comfortable position, so um, possibly with half an eye on on, uh, on summer holidays already. They've, they've had a bit of a blow today, and it's been confirmed that that Shaken Doy is is out for the rest of the season, and, and possibly even the beginning of the next season with um, cruciate ligament injury. So um, they they could get lucky again in the sense that this is probably as good a time as any to play to play a team like Manchester. Um, you know, can't have to come into this match more committed, more motivated than their opponents. But again, the question is, is, is that enough? And I, I just, I mean, to me, Con really are the, the, the poorest side in the division. Um, I know they're, they're, they're not quite bottom at the moment, but I, I think they're a poorer side than Gankan. And um, again, I think, although they've got that double header coming up, this one feels like a match that if they've got aspirations to stay up, they really need to get something out of it. But again, I'm not convinced they can. It's a difficult one for them, isn't it? And, uh, but at the same time, they they will have some 
well, a glimmer of hope at least, Adam, because as much like Jez mentioned, their their uh, their opponents are going to be without Shaken Doy. How big of a blow is that for RJ? Not just for the end of this season, because they're, they're safe, so they'll they'll be they'll be happy about that. But as, as even the start of next season, he might be missing because of that injury. He, he has been a bit of a talisman on his previous spell, and he's he's been getting back into form, and it's it's a bit of a blow. It is. It is. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think I would have given you a very different answer if you'd asked me this question about two weeks ago. Um, you're right. Shaken Doy has been pivotal to Angers since they got promoted. Um, he was fantastic. He was. He's just an absolute tank. He's he, first of all, he's perfect to the way Angers play he, in the in that sort of first period when they got promoted. He scored twice on the opening day. The first uh, game in in back in Liga when they beat Montpellier two way two nil away from home. And he's so good in the air. He's so physical and so powerful. And and just it leads by example, and and he carried he carried that midfield for a long time, which which we include Roman Saiz, who's now at Wolves and doing okay, and um, and Tom Mangani, who's been up and down, not his best season, but has been an absolutely fantastic player, and um, for for Angers, and uh, now into his thirties, perhaps a little bit sort of past his best, but that midfield was fantastic, and Ange and and Doyle was the best of them, and and when he left, I really felt that that might have been it for them because he was so crucial to them, and he was uh, you're absolutely right, a talismanic presence, but didn't work out for him at Birmingham and um, was starting the team and dropped out you know High Redknapp I think was in charge at that point it was just a bit of a bit of a mess and never found his way back into the team um and then you know when he returned I thought that was you know great signing I thought it was the type of thing that would be you know at the start of the season when they, they looked poor I think in my predictions I even had Angers maybe second bottom or bottom at the start of the year and I felt that on on Doy returning would would change a lot for them you know the way the way he's the sort of presence he has um and and how how well suited to the way Mulan plays and he's been good in, in in spells but I think that now he's 33 I think he looks he's looked 33 this season he's looked old he's looked like he's he's past the best his his best form which we saw in in that that brief spell at, well a couple of years in, in, in when he came up from from Crete in in League Day was that he was made captain very quickly at Angers you know he, it just suits him and he's he's been important but I think <clears throat> excuse me but I think that an interesting thing happened with Angers last week with Jeff Rainey Adelaide, um, <clears throat> excuse me, playing playing a little bit deeper than he usually does. He's played up front in the central position alongside Bahoken at times and, and alongside Wilfred Kanga at times in a in a sort of a, a five-three-two sort of situation. Um, but last week he sort of dropped almost into attacking midfield, and I've always liked Rainey Adelaide from deeper when he drops off and runs at people. Um, and I, I kind of he sort of if he's playing off a striker. Um, but in a central position, so it doesn't necessarily help. Doesn't really suit him if it's wide. If he's playing wide, because he's sort of he's sort of charged with like being a man and getting across, and maybe cutting inside and shooting on his other foot. Um, but he sort of fills that slot slot that Ndoy would fill in that midfield, who of the most forward thinking of the three to to get forward and support attacks, and in a very different way. Obviously, he's going to interpret it in a very a very different way, but. I think he he's potentially capable of having a very similar presence. Hadn't scored in league and up and he's had, he's had a decent enough season, but he hadn't scored in league until last year and scored twice. Um, playing in a little bit with with John Bush and almost as an attacking midfielder. So I think that they might have sort of stumbled across something there in Andoy's absence that that one may suit the team in a very different way to Andoy, obviously, and may suit Adelaide because I, I think that he's been he's he's a, he's a talented guy, he's a talented player, but flitting in a little bit in and out of games, it doesn't really impose himself much, too much but I think this kind of plays to his skill set of, 
of running from deep and, and of carrying the ball and carrying attacks forward, which which is sort of what Andoy did with using his physicality and his, his aerial ability a little bit sort of propelled the team forward. And I think at Rennie Adelaide, although obviously it's only been, what, two games, one or two games, that he's very capable of doing that as well because he's like I say he's a very talented player and and they, they were good in drawing with with Ren last week. They got 14 draws in the league this season, which is classic Angers. And and although they are perhaps in in if you look at you know, on the face of it on the beach already, I don't think Mulan will let the intensity drop. And I think they're a dangerous proposition between now and the end of the year. I, I think you know Baptiste Antoine in midfield alongside him has had a really good season. Um, yeah, Mangani on form again is still very capable of, of having really, you know, having a lot of impact in this league. So, um, although Andre, uh, you know, in mid-table obscurity at the moment, I think they're a dangerous position for for Connor at the weekend. Mm, yeah, and that makes it a really interesting one. They were playing with a bit of freedom, and like you say, Jeffrey Adelaide was was really good at the, the, the weekend and, and finally showed that promise he's got. Let's hope he can close out the season with some excellent form. Um, on to predictions then this time i'll start with you adam what do you think the score will be i'm gonna say 2-1 on jay jez i was gonna go the same i'll say 2-0 just to be different but i i i hope that because they're safe they can cut loose a bit now they scored five in their last two games okay they conceded five but i do think there's some real talented footballers there and i'd like to see them do sort of let off the leash a little bit more and, and now is as good a time as any to do that. So yeah, I, I think they'll win it. I think they'll pass them. Yeah, I think we're all a little bit hopeful of that. And I, I, that's why I think it'll be um, a 3-0 win for uh, Andre. I, I really don't think this con side has got an enormous amount. They were incredibly lucky in that win against Monaco. And I think the Neem one, um, where they lost that straight after that, confirmed that um, it was sort of a slice of fortune that saved them. And, and a great game by uh, by Samba as well in goal that, that helped them out. I, I just can't see them winning that one. They're going to struggle against Nice as well, which means there was... Two games either side of April, May. Um, it's going to be absolutely massive for them. Uh, on to our next game for this weekend, and it concerns sides a little bit further up in the table, at least one of them in Saint-Étienne as they host Bordeaux. Jez, it's, it was finally focusing on the away side first. They're, they're pretty comfortably going to be in a, in a mid-table sort of mediocrity style, but a much improved performance against Marseille in the week. It's maybe took uh, two relatively fortuitous goals to beat Marseille, but they were solid defensively. They weren't really troubled by Marseille at any point. They they played a little bit with a little bit more freedom going forward. Maybe Paulo Sosa's finally starting to get his words through to, to a few players and, and showing that, well, at least from a few of them, what, what they can expect from next season. Yeah, I think... <laughs> Mid-table mediocrity is probably a good description of Bordeaux for the last few years, actually. And um, the, I think there are there are shoots of oh, there's there's something to be hopeful for. I think they they've got a new coach who, who does like to play good football. They've got some talented youngsters there if they can keep them and keep them happy. Um, you know, players like Kunde and, and uh, Kamano, for example, I guess. There's probably a reasonable chance that they won't be there from the start of next season. But if, if they can have a good summer um, with the, the sort of foundations that, that the club has got, a decent stadium, they should, again, should be doing a lot better than they are. And although that's their, 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 match is their first win for a while, it is off the back of, of three draws. So they're already sort of making themselves more difficult to beat. Um, the Bordeaux match. 
I mean, it's you could well, we'll wait and see, but you could look at it as a as a misnomer because there's that there's the ridiculous stat that, that must say I've been on there since 1977, um, and and obviously must say I've been really on the and there was sort of um, uh, kind of off the cuff post match moan of the lamentation of Gloria Tova, which um, uh, Garcia is trying to play down today, but there's no doubt that, that there are issues there and, and players are um, pretty, pretty low at the moment. Um, so maybe it's not right to judge Bordeaux too much on that Marseille result, but as I said, sort of taken with the three matches before that, they do look to be going in the right direction. I think Sosa's doing a good job. I think we said when he was appointed that it's kind of a free pass for him for the rest of the season. It's almost like he's going to have the advantage of sort of starting Bordeaux's pre-season a couple of months before everyone else because, again, they, they are safe. Um, they have got those, as I said, those foundations. And if he can already sort of start now in, in you know, March, April, May, getting getting players accustomed to his style, his his work ethic, his training methods, then then yeah, that, that gives them a sort of four or five month summer in a way, and they can really be be ready to push on next next season. Yeah, it absolutely does make a difference for them because they they, they look they definitely looked a little bit better last week. Let's hope that they can continue that against uh Santati inside who have been in pretty entertaining in the last few weeks, if not particularly efficient really uh, Adam is maybe the best way of putting it because they've sort of lost a little bit of the defensive discipline they had last season and in the last game at least it did it did end up costing the game against Amiens they, they, again it was a real great chance for them to to be still chasing for a Champions League spot with Leon, but to drop the points has maybe just left it a little bit far for them with the with the games they've got left and the games that Leon have got left but at the same time they have to treat every game now. Now they've seen them slip up like that, like it, it, they it, like it's their cup final. And if they they do win out and they don't, well, seize upon any opportunities that come up again, they they have a shout at Champions League football at least. Yeah, absolutely, they do. I think with Sanetien, it's the difference between the home and away form sort of showed last week. Um, you know, if you look at the home league and table, they're third, a point behind Leon. Oh, based on home records, obviously PSG are miles ahead. Um, but you look at the away table and they're all the way down in eighth. Um, you know, Strasbourg, Reims, Nice, Montpellier all have better array records than them. And they're, you know, they're sort of, what, 12 points adrift of, of Lille in that away away table. So I think the, the, the result at Amiens last week wasn't overly surprising, given that Amiens are much improved of late. And, and you know, a draw away at Amiens isn't, isn't a terrible result at the moment. Um, and they, they did pretty well to, to get that, to be honest. I honestly thought, I, I, mean, I watched watch this game today and I thought even though Amiens had a man sent off, they probably did enough for at least a draw, probably deserved to win the game overall, um, given given the sending off and how well they defended and and Canate's two brilliant goals. So uh, I think it's a decent enough result. But I think you, you get two different teams with, with Sinetti and, you know, they get they, when you're at home, they, they've got the, the fantastic support and they're, they're a little bit more expansive and, and i think that it suits kind of gasset a little bit more the, the way he sets up his teams so when they go away they're just a little bit porous they can they can be beaten for pace at the back 
um, and they perhaps don't they don't have the the, the the physicality to impose themselves in forward areas and in, in away games and, and perhaps not the creativity if Fremi Cabela's not informed to, to break teams down so <clears throat> when when you know in in that sort of situation and so they definitely get two different teams and I think if their away form had been even even slightly better this season then then they'd be in that third place place spot um ahead of ahead of Leon in in in, in the table but um, I think maybe it's it's sort of maybe it's growing pains for this team. You know, there's a lot of uh, sort of new players who are pretty key to the team who've come in over the course of the season. You know, Kazri in the summer, and Via, and was who's been there what just over a year now. Eight Banassas only just come into the team. You know, there's 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 things that, that that there are holes and, and things that need changing in, the, in in this team. And I think that that is shown in their waveform that perhaps don't have the cohesion quite yet although perhaps they should do given how long Gasset's been there and and how long some of the players have been there and, and you know they would you would have hoped that that would they would have gelled completely by now but I still honestly think that there's they're a little bit individualistic they're kind of relying on Kasri or Cabela who's who really flits in and out of form or even Hamuma who's even worse for, for jumping in and out of form so they, they just need to to be a little bit more to, to be able to, to, to work on that cohesion and perhaps that'll come come next season and that away record will improve but given the situation when you look at the league beyond their their own situation you know leon are very capable of imploding between now and the end of the year given given the atmosphere at the, the game against dijon um at the weekend with with you know fans seeing for seven minutes of silence for seven years without a trophy genesio has no idea whether he's coming or going neither does all us um it's, it's a complete mess really um so they're, they're very capable of dropping those six points as an they are very capable of, of catching them marseille Without Bellatelli last week, looked a, a completely different team. They're they're in trouble as well. So yeah, you know, Sinetian, although they're not favourites, then they'll definitely fancy themselves to overhaul Leon and get into that third place. Yeah, and it's it's a frustration for them, isn't it? Even though, like you say, Amiens played really well in that game, the circumstances of them being a man down should automatically make you think that they should be. Well, any person playing any game, it makes you think you should be winning with a with a man up. And the fact that both Leon and Marseille either side of them lost, it could have been they could have only been four points off Leon. They could have been five points ahead of Marseille, which is great for for both reasons really that they they get closer to Champions League and they strengthen the Europa League play. So it would just be maybe niggle at them a little bit that they didn't take those points and maybe that'll help fuel the fire at the weekend. Uh, I think that will help. I I think if they're going to win two one against Bordeaux, who've Shown a little bit, but I think they're they're definitely sort of looking towards uh, next season at least. Now, Adam, what do you think the score will be? Um, I'm going to stick with my Sinetian at home, a good, and go two 0 Sinetian. Cheers. Uh, I'm going to go the same as I'll go. I'll say three one. I think Sinetian they've got over their bad blip. I think they're playing decent football now. Um, I think rightly or wrongly they they've got. Be a couple of players who might be might be playing for for some moves as well, um, and yeah, they've got they've got Leon in their sights, and I think they do, they need to make sure that if Leon do slip up, which they may well do, then then they're going to sort of be ready to pounce. So yeah, I think comfortable in the mm, Yeah, that will really strengthen their chances, depending on 
other results around them as well. Uh, on to the final game of the weekend and possibly the most important one as PSG can seal the title on Sunday evening. They only need a point as Lille will not be able to catch them if they draw this one. Um, Paris Saint-Germain still have a game in hand as well, of course. So um, that will come against not sometime in the in the near future. But um, it looks like a foregone conclusion. But the important thing for Lille, at least, this weekend, Jez, is for them to try and spoil the party. Can they do that? Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's going to be difficult. But again, as I sort of mentioned about Renault in the season, I think of all the teams, um, Lille did give PSG a good fight. Um, I think Lille's form has dropped off a little bit since since when they played PSG. Um, the first time around, but um, I think they, they if they if all their players have been performing so well this season are at the top of their game, playing at home as well. I, I, I do think that they they can give PSG a tough time. Although PSG are going to sort of sweep it to the title, they haven't tried to stand the reasons been at the top, the top of their game the last the last few weeks. And they sort of relied on, on Mbappe to, to bail them out a couple of times. I mean, even, even last weekend, although he didn't get his name on the score sheet, I think he, he sort of he turned the match. Um, it was his great run that led to the corner, that led to the equaliser, and he almost scored the winner a couple of times as well. So, I th- yeah, I, th- I think Lille should really be up for this, firstly, to, to maintain their, their, uh, the gap that they've got with, with Lille. But also, I just think this, you know, they, they've had a fantastic season and this would be, um, I think, I don't think there's any doubt they're going to get Champions League football and, and this would be the sort of the icing on the cake, I guess, that you know, to really um, sort of make the mark on it. They've impressed everyone in Europe, I think, this season, but if they can top that all off with, with a win over PSG and the chance to to delay that, delay the title for one more week. I think it's a great motivation for them. Yeah, they've got to see that as a as a pretty big positive for them if they can make that happen. But and interestingly enough, I, I think at least anyway in this one, Adam, that PSG have shown that they're not particularly great against sides that are willing to attack them, and a great counter-attacking side against the a defence that can be a little bit shaky at times it, it is kind of their, a little bit of their kryptonite. So they're not going to go to the PMRI at the, at the weekend thinking that they're going to be celebrating on the pitch and the Lille players especially would, uh, would not want to be wanting for that to happen. No, absolutely. And I, I think I think you're right about that the, the, you know, they're susceptible to, the, to this sort of team. And perhaps has to do with Thomas Tuchel sort of switch away from a um, for the sort of possession-based 4-3-3, you know, that in Ligue 1, although perhaps it was a bit one-dimensional in European competition in Ligue 1, that, that kind of system really wore teams down. And, and if they were, you know, fortunate enough to get the ball of PSG, they were, one, so tired from chasing them and, and two, you know, didn't really know what to do with the ball once they got it. But there's definitely a lot more space in that PSG midfield now that they're, they're often playing sort of that 4-4-2 or you know, three centre-backs and the PSG a little bit more exposed, especially when I know that it's not been the case recently, but we've sort of Draxler in there and, you know, that there are there are, there are there are goals to be had against PSG. The problem is that they're just far too good in most other departments for them. And, 
you know, in terms of league performances, this has probably been their, you know, their best season. They could well exceed 100 points in the QSI era. I'm talking, well, to be honest, any era really. Um, they could well exceed 100 points. And the way the way Tuchel's got them playing it is it has been, although the United defeat is a huge caveat to this, it has been a step up. And I think they're a lot more varied and a lot more tactically diverse and, you know, a lot more streetwise than perhaps, excuse me, perhaps than they, they have been under previous coaches. Although, again, you know they they still managed to implode against United in that in that Champions League game, but it's, you know the fact that they, he was offered a new contract relatively recently shows that you know that, that it's there's as if as far as the club's point of view, there's been a bit of a step up. But this is this is one area where it's almost like a necessary kind of thing, you know, to be more to be more varied in your in your play in, in with this team, you kind of need to 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 open up a little bit in, in league and play different types of systems rather than just grinding teams down which doesn't work in in the bigger games which is where it really matters um but you know having said that they've lost once and drawn three from 30 games so it can't be too big of a deal um but um i think there's there's especially at home i think there 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 are goal there are there's a route here for Lille to get something out of the game and and uh, depending on psg's 11 because obviously they're, they're suffering a bit of injuries and Tuchel's mentioned of late that he's, you know, frustrated about the, the, the small size of the squad. And, you know, they've been in a number of games recently where they've, they haven't been able to fill the bench. Whether they've actually, if that actually has the, is the case, because they've got a very good youth system and there are plenty of players that could easily sit on the bench. Whether that's, you know, actually the case or Tuchel is just trying, sort of angling for, for more players and trying to prove a point by not filling the bench with his first team squad. You know, they've had five on the bench a couple of times. Um, it, it, you know, that's open to debate. But I think... Um, PSG is a little bit more open style. It's exciting for the league, even if they do end up winning most games. Um, and uh, it hopefully, is it's sort of a thing. It's something that is, facilitates them being a little bit more diverse in in the bigger games um, when it comes to those next season and uh, in on occasion this season. So um, I think I think Lille, there's I think Lille are a threat in this game given given their style and the fact that they're at home. PSG are pretty omnipotent uh, at the part of the France. So um, yeah, I think I think there are goals here for Lille. Yeah, and that's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? I think this could be a, a really entertaining game because I tell you what, there's one thing you don't want and that's another team walking into your stadium and winning the title. That's exactly what you want to try and avoid. Really. But uh, um, I'm sure PSG will, will be thinking otherwise as well. And it has the potential to be the last maybe exciting game we see from the Parisians other than the, the Coupe de France final. But let's not, maybe not be too negative on them, at least in a way to, to end the season. But let's get a prediction out and I'll start with you on this one Jez what do you think the score will be? Um, I'm not sure they'll do enough to win but I, I, I've just got a feeling Lee will get something out of it so I'm going to say another two all Adam? I was going to say two all as well but to be different I'll say three all just to uh, be exciting I think Lille might nick this one, you know. I'm going to go with 2-1. I, th- I think the, there's no doubt PSG are going to score, but they've been pretty indifferent ever since that, that Manchester United result, really, other than then in the, the Coupe de France. And I think that Lille halt the party for at least the weekend, at least anyway. But it's, 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 a, it's an inevitable thing that's going to happen. But um, I'm hoping that, or well, I think that Lille will stop them from at least celebrating on their hallowed turf instead and wait for maybe when they're at home to, to celebrate the final uh, nail in the uh, Liga coffin. Uh, that's all for this week. My thanks to Adam, Jez and all of you listening at home. Uh, join us for the main show back on Monday. But for now, enjoy your weekend of football.